Passion for God and compassion for our neighbor. Reaching our region and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. This is Crosswinds Church. And now, here's Pastor Kurt Truxis. If you're new, I'm, I'm one of the pastors here at Crosswinds. My name is Kurt. And recently, I had a new person sort of ask me about who my wife was. And I was like, well, everybody knows who my wife is. And then it started to occur to me that I, a lot of people don't know about my wife and family because we have multiple services, we have multiple campuses, and we're sort of disconnected that way. So I thought I'd begin by just introducing you to my family. Go ahead and put that up there, Jeremy. Uh, this is my family. All the way on the right is my oldest son, David. David just graduated from Spirit Lake High School. He uh, loves wrestling. Uh, my right, there you go. Yeah, he loves wrestling. He loves weightlifting. And he's got a, a, a sort of a good, dry sense of humor. If you don't know that, just spend some time talking with him. It's, it's a good sense of humor that gets you laughing. He also likes to pick on his sister, and he's very good at it. So, by the way, uh, we really value our, our kids serving in the church. And w- some of the ways that he serves is he's a greeter, he helps out in the coffee bar, and he also serves as one of the tech guys down in Spencer. So if you don't see him here on the weekend, it's probably because he's serving down at our other campus. And next to him is my daughter, Deanna. Deanna is in the red sweater, and she's our youngest, and she is just filled with laughs and giggles. And it's not just because she's a young girl, but she's always been that way. If you need a smile, just talk to Deanna. She is definitely going to give you one. And what she likes to do is she likes gymnastics, she likes dance, and at this time of year, she especially loves softball. The other thing she loves to do when it comes to serving in the church is called the church nursery. She loves babies. And she loves to play mom and be mom. And she's going to be a very good mom. In fact, that's where she's at this morning. She is in the church nursery, or she should be, I think, with my wife, because she's always dragging my wife to serve with her in the church nursery. And so that's how she likes to serve. Next to her is my wife, Cindy. And as you can tell, I married up way up. And I still have to pinch myself every once in a while. That's like, she actually said yes, and we're 20 years into this thing. She hasn't woken up. I'm like, well, this is great. My, my wife keeps the glue, the glue that keeps the entire family together. She is a great and wonderful, loving mother, and she's very patient with me. And I cannot brag on her enough. I'm so richly blessed to have her. And next to her is my middle son, Daniel. He is going to be a sophomore at Spirit Lake High School. And like his brother, he also enjoys wrestling. And he has a great sense of humor. It's different than his older brother, uh, but he will get you laughing. And he is the family comedian, and he knows how to get you going. So if you don't know that, just spend some time with my boys, and they'll make you laugh. Now, the reason I shared this information about my family is part part of it is just so you get to know us and we get to build a stronger relationship together. The other reason is because uh, we're talking about family today. We're talking about family in the book of Ephesians. As a church, we've been studying our way through this book. And we are now at the tail end of this book, which talks about how we honor Christ in our relationships. We looked at, in the last two messages, how we honor Christ in the relationship of marriage and how husbands are to love their wives with the same kind of love that Christ has for the church, sacrificial and giving love, and how wives are to submit to their husband's leadership in their life, like we submit to Christ's leadership in our life, and they run in parallel. Next week, we're going to look at the work environment and employer and employee relationships and how being a Christian changes the way you work for your boss and changes the way your boss uh, directs and leads you. But this morning, we're looking at the home. We're looking at the family. We're looking at how Jesus Christ changes the relationships between children and their parents. If you want to know what specific verses we're in. We're in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. And even though there's only four verses we're looking at this morning, there is a lot of material for us to cover. Some really good practical stuff. So open your Bibles and take out your outlines, 
and we'll get ready to jump right in because these verses fall under two headings. They're, first of all, how do I honor Christ as a child? And then how do I honor Christ as a parent over a child? You guys ready to jump in? All right, let's go ahead and start. How do I honor Christ as a child? Number one, obey my parents. Pretty simple and straightforward. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. I started reading this, and I looked, and it says, children, and children ought to obey their parents. And the first thought I had was, what kind of children are we talking about? I mean, how long are you a child? Does childhood end at age 13? End at age 16? When you, does it end when you get your driver's license? Does it end when you can vote? Does it end when you can drink? I mean, what does this mean here? So I did a little bit of research, and this is the idea, because there's a specific Greek word for child here, and it means a certain age category. And it, here it is, the first bullet point. The word for child means somebody who is either under 20 years of age and is unmarried. Because when someone becomes married, they leave, they cleave, and they make their own family unit. So generally, this is somebody who's under 20 years old. Now, young adults, what this means is even though you can still, you can drive, even though you have all kinds of freedom in our society and that you can vote and do all these things, you are not totally and completely free from your parents in the sense that you no longer have to obey them, especially if you're sleeping in their basement you're eating from their refrigerator, they are paying your cell phone bill, and they're co-signing for your student loans. They still have some authority over you, and you need to respect them, and you need to obey them in that authority. So I want to introduce to you a term that I think really encapsulates this, and this is it. As a young adult, an unmarried young adult in the home is, has what I call limited Sovereignty. Limited sovereignty. That means that even though you are completely sovereign and free, if your parents are still paying for things and if you're, you're still connected to them, they have a right to provide input in your life that you should seek to try to listen to and you should seek to try to obey. Now, why? Why is this so important for children to obey their parents? Here's the reason. We find it in the, right in the text. Obedience of a child to their parents is akin to obedience of a child to God. And this is where Paul says, Obey your parents in the Lord. It is God who has put your parents in your life as an authority figure over you. And just as God is an authority figure over you. And disobedience to your parents is akin to disobedience to God in your life. And just as you would obey the Lord, you try to obey your parents. It's just the right thing to do. Now, does this mean you're going to agree with everything your parents ask you to do? Thank you. There's only one person who realizes that, right? Does this mean that you're going to understand why your parents ask you to do certain things? Of course not. But you do your best to try and obey them anyway. Because you obey them and submit to their authority in your life, just like you submit to God's authority in your life. And there's another reason here. It's just really simple. Obedience of children to their parents is just plain right. It is. In fact, it's in the text. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. And then he says, for this is right. In other words, disobedience to our parents is just plain wrong. I'm going to give you some scriptures here um, that just sort of frame how God feels about children when they choose to disobey uh, their parents and to spurn a parent's authority. Whoever strikes his father or mother shall be put to death. Boy, am I thankful we're not in the Old Testament times, right? Yeah, we, we, we. How about this one? Whoever curses his father or mother shall be put to death. 
Yeah, if we were Old Testament, I'd be dead by now. Okay? Let's just be honest. Because the point is, the Scriptures are really intense on how children respect and obey their parents. How about this one? It, it frames it so well. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. That really gets it across. So you're a witch that worships idols because you're a child that won't obey your parents. Now, this next one is actually my favorite. The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. <laughs> Isn't that one good? I honestly, seriously was going to think about asking Jeremy to put that one on a poster and make it available to all parents after the service to put in their children's rooms. Because I mean, that is so poster-worthy. And how about this? You come to uh, Romans chapter 1, and Paul is listing the uh, an examples of what it looks like to live a life apart from God and how depraved and how wicked they are. And he says this, they, are, they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to their parents. He adds that last one like the cherry on top of a Sunday. The epitome of somebody who lives in rebellion against God is disobedience to their parents. So the scriptures are very strong. Children, obey your parents. It's just plain right. It's just like obeying the Lord. Well, while uh, outright disobedience is wrong, what about casual, like, disobedience? What about just sort of ignoring your parents? I mean, not being interested in them, just pretending like you've moved on and got your own life. What does the Scripture say about that? Here's what it says. Honor my parents. It says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. What does it mean to honor somebody? We don't think much in these terms in Western culture. Honor usually comes from Eastern culture. Uh, but what honor means is you treat somebody with special respect and reverence. Uh, for instance, you're dating a girl. What do you do when uh, she goes to go to her car door? Guys, what do we do? We open it, right? We honor her. We respect her, treat her with reverence. The President of the United States walks in the room. What does everybody do? They stand up. It's the way you honor the person. You may not agree with the person, but you honor the position he holds in your life as the president of your country. In the same way, the Scriptures say that it, children must honor their parents, treat them with special respect, awe, and reverence. Let them have a very high position in your life. I got thinking... How do we do this? How do we honor our parents? And I, I put together on the top of page two here a list of some ways that we can do that. Number one, for instance, give them the respect that they deserve. Give them the respect they deserve. Some of you know that I spent the first 10 years of ministry as a student ministry pastor. And as a student ministry pastor, I would see some really interesting rebellion of children against their parents. And one that I never could get out of my head, it was this 16-year-old kid. He was 100 pounds only if he was soaking wet. And you know what he would do with his parents? Call them by their first name. John, I'd like the car keys tonight and go out and see some friends. He said that. The first time I heard him say that, my head snapped so quick to the side, I thought I broke my neck. I'm like, what did you just call your parents? And then he turns around and says, Mary, I'm not going to be home for dinner tonight. It's like, Mary, John, that is mom, that is dad. There are only two people on this planet you can call mom and dad. Mom and dad. And you give them the respect they deserve by using that name. I was so close to going Rocky Balboa with that kid. 
you know, pow, and just like putting him into the next universe because it just irritated me that he wouldn't give his parents the respect they deserved. That's what we should do. Now, what are some real practical, simple ways that we give parents respect? Like maybe it's emptying the dishwasher. Well, I know what you're going to say. Empty the dishwasher? Are you kidding? That's mom's job. Whose dishes are in there in the first place? Yours? Fold the laundry maybe for her sometime. Oh, no, that's mom's job to fold the laundry. Whose laundry is she folding? Your laundry? Maybe uh, clean the bathroom? Well, I don't do that. Why not? You made it a mess. How about if your parents get sick? Your parents get ill. Do you just go about your merry way or do you just maybe curtail back your plans so you could be there for mom and dad and you could try and help mom and dad and be there extra around the home? You do that. You cut back your plans to give respect and to give honor to your parents. What are some of the words you always give to your parents? When you, when you go out the door, what do you always give them? A hug and a kiss. What do you say to them when they, when they leave or when you leave or when you go to bed at night? What are the three words we must say all the time? Oh, I love you. And by the way, if you haven't learned to use those words, I would encourage you to learn to use those words with your parents and with your kids. It's, they're like the, some of the few people that you can say that to. It gives them respect and honor. Give you another idea. How can we honor our parents? Make time for them. Make time for them. I know that as teenagers and as young adults, we're expanding your wings and sort of on your way out the door. But on the way out the door, don't kick your parents in the face as you go. Because what happens is you think, I'm going to get all this time with my friends. My friends are going to be the center of my life. And I'm going to blow my parents off. And after a while, parents just feel like you ignore them. One of the best things you can do is uh, intentionally ask to spend just a little bit of time with them. Here's a suggestion. Say to your parents, you know, mom, start with your mom. And say, mom, we just haven't had a chance to spend much time together. Can we go out for breakfast one morning? I guarantee you she will be thrilled. And when you go out to breakfast with her, I also guarantee she'll pay. And not only will she pay, but she'll let you eat as much bacon as you want. She will, because she loves the fact that you want to spend a little bit of time with her. It's not a ton of time in the big scheme of things, but it's important because it honors her as your mom and when it honors him as your dad. One uh, college student I know, he talked to me Sunday about this and he texts, he texts a lot. He texts his dad and he texts his mom a little bit each day. It's not like he's neurotic and he doesn't know what it means to be on his own. He trusts me. He is very independent and mature. But why does he do this? He says, because I want to honor him. I want to know I'm thinking about him. And, and they're special to me. And I, I know that if I just text him a little something, it'll make their day. See how you can honor your parents that way? Let me look at another example here. Remember uh, the holidays, the birthdays, and the anniversaries. Remember all those special milestones in your parents' life because as they get older, there'll be less and less people remembering those things. And it's more and more important for you to remember and you to do the celebrating for them. I want to get real transparent with you and tell you one of my great failures in life. I have a hard time sort of always moving beyond this. I have to pray about it a lot. But my parents... Uh, went through their 50th wedding anniversary. And guess who completely missed it? Number one, it happened in the fall. And the fall is like the absolute busiest time of life for a pastor. So I just got real busy and wasn't looking at my calendar. And number two, I had no idea it was 50. I'm like, can't be 50. It wouldn't be like more than 30. No, it doesn't make any sense because I've been married 20. But in my mind, like, could my parents actually be that old? And I missed an opportunity to celebrate them. I missed an opportunity to honor them. I mean, 50 years of marriage, they deserve a gold-plated plaque. They have been through some really hard stuff. I know. 
I grew up in the home. I've seen the difficulties they've, they've been through. And they stuck together no matter what, thick and thin. And I'm very proud of them. And I missed an opportunity to honor them. Don't miss an opportunity to honor your parents. Uh, another idea here. Do my best. I never expected this. When I had kids, I had no idea the joy that a parent would derive out of watching their children when they're involved in school, in sports, in music, or drama. I just thought I thought you watched kids, but there's joy. And many of you guys know that um, I'm a wrestler. I wrestled in high school. I wrestled in college. I wrestled after college. I wrestled internationally. I coached wrestling. I had a really good time with the sport. I got my kids involved in wrestling, and I prayed for two boys so I'd have two wrestlers, and God gave me two boys. And, you know, we got them involved when they were like four years old. You know, we're going to make the world's Olympic champs kind of thing out of them and all that stuff. And I had no problem wrestling. But when my kids wrestle, it's a whole different feeling. When they would go on the mat, this is honest truth, I would get so weak and so emotional, I could not physically stand. Honestly, I would have to sit down because my knees gave out from under me. That never happened when I, when I wrestled. But there's so much connection between you and your kids. Now, do I like when my kids win wrestling matches? Of course I do. But I discovered over time that it wasn't so much a matter of if they won or lost. It was a matter of how hard they tried. And if they did their absolute best. And even if they, they lost, but they wrestled really hard, I was so proud of them. Because there's this connection. And so when children do their best, it brings great joy to their parents' lives. Even if they don't succeed in everything they try in. Just doing their best honors your parents. Here's another example. Consider how my actions affect my family. You don't really live independent lives. You're interconnected with your parents. When I was at college, one of my roommates had one of these little Toyota Corollas, sort of like David has right now. It was this old Corolla, and his parents had saved and tried to get him to college, and he got to college, and I asked people in first service about this, but in college, do they still send you when you're a freshman like all these applications for credit cards? Yes or no? Yes? Okay, when I was a freshman, they were coming in left and right. and They were the most frequent piece of mail I got. And my roommate was like, well, this is great. Look at all the credit cards I get. So he's like MasterCard, Visa, American Express. He's got a stack of plastic in his wallet. And then he realized he could buy all kinds of stuff. And he went out, and his thing was car stereos. So he goes out to this super high-end, expensive car stereo store, and he buys all this top-end Blaupunk car stereo equipment for his little Toyota Corolla. Multiple amplifiers, all kinds of speakers. I mean, the subwoofers. He drives onto campus, and it's hilarious because every boom, boom, and you know, the, the big brick buildings are shaking, and out comes this little Toyota Corolla. You know, going by, and he's got all this pride for his stereo system. And the problem is, uh, he's got thousands of dollars in stereo equipment all on credit. And he goes home and he talks to his dad. He's like, Well, I'm going to pay this over time. Oh, bad idea. Does the math, and it's like, That's not going to work out. And he never made it back next semester. Uh, I know that his next semester's tuition went to going paying his credit card bill. I know his father had uh, sacrificed a lot of his retirement, some of his retirement money to help pay for his son and bail him out. And I was like, dude, your greed, your greed dishonored your parents. Think about how what you do will affect your parents' life and honor them as you do it. Well, here's another question. What if I don't think my parents deserve respect in the first place? Do you ever do you have those kind of parents? They yell, they're nasty, they're mean. Can't wait to get out of the home. Can't wait to get independent. Then I can ignore everything I, I have in the way of parents. Some people are that way. Well, if you feel that way, that your parents don't deserve respect, they don't deserve your time, I've got some words from Scripture for you. And here they are. 
These are the first commandment with a, with a promise. God promises, if I dishonor my parents, it will lead to my demise. It will lead to my demise. Things will not go well with you. <laughs> and so I would always tell kids when I was a youth pastor who were trying to assert their independence and do their own thing, and you know, I'm not going to listen to my parents. I'm like, who do you think you're punishing? Do you think you're like punishing your parents? The scriptures are clear. God will punish you because obedience to parents is akin to obedience to God. Rebellion against parents is akin to rebellion against God. Don't go there. It's in your best interest to honor your parents, even if they're not perfect, even if they ask some silly, goofy things. You honor them anyway, not because they're perfect, but because of the position of authority God has given them in your life. They're your parents. In addition to that, he says this, God promises, if I dishonor my parents, it will lead to my early death. That's strong. You will not live long in the land. So how about that for a combination? You want to have a ruined life and die young? Dishonor your parents. That's just biblical. I'm not being weird. It's just right there. Now how about this question? Uh, how does this verse apply to adults with aging parents? Because many times we think this verse just applies to kids with parents in the home and the, and the, the 20-year-old and under. But there's this realization, and Jesus affirmed it, that it really has to do with all children honoring parents of all ages. And there was this example that Jesus talked about, and we'll read about it here, about how middle-aged children like myself are to honor their aging parents. It says, For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. We read about that. But you say, if a man tells his father or mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corbin, that means given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father and mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and many such things you do. The picture is you've got a middle-aged guy. He's doing well financially. He's got some money for his family, but he has parents. And in that day, there is no such thing as social security systems. Uh, obviously, mom and dad were not able to work, so they've whittled down their resources. They don't have a lot of money. They're scraping by to survive. And normally it would be, well, then as a child, you should honor your parents and take care of them. But the uh, Pharisees had made a little rule that if when you die, you promise you're going to give a big portion of your estate to the synagogue, then you were freed from financial obligations to give away your money while you're living. In other words, you didn't have to financially support your parents because that would mean that uh, you wouldn't have as much money to give to the synagogue later. How do you think Jesus felt about that? He was ticked. It's like, what do you think is more important? Lining a future offering plate or honoring your parents? Let's think about this, guys. Honor your parents, because honoring parents is akin to obedience to God. It's really important. Now, how does this translate out into our context here in America? In America, many times what we do is we uh, think, well... My parents get older, uh, let's put them in a nursing home. Let's put them in a retirement home, and we'll have them pay their money for somebody to take care of them. And I'm not against nursing homes. I'm not against retirement homes. But a lot of people my age use that as an out, an out to escape their responsibility to honor their parents and to cherish their parents and to treat them as special. What should we do as Christians? One option I want to propose is that when your parents get older, if you have to, you, you move them into your house and you take care of them. When you say, well, that's going to cost a lot of money. Who cares? Honoring your parents is more important than lining a future offering plate. If you have the resources, maybe you can build a house that's connected to yours or a section of the house that's connected to yours. And so you can be there. They can have their living quarters and you can have your, your living quarters, but you can be there in a moment's notice. That's honorable. 
Maybe you, you move them closer to you so you can be able to be closer to be there in their time of need. Maybe if God gives you the option, you need to move out closer to them, to be closer to them, to take care of them in their aging time of need. Well, you say, well, then I'd, maybe you'd get a lower-paying job if I had to do that. Who cares? Honoring your parents is more important than lining a future offering plate. Now, I'm going to ask you guys to pray for me all right now, because this is something that we're struggling with as a family. Many of you know that my wife's parents are deceased. My parents are not deceased. They're in their 80s. They live in Philadelphia. We've asked them multiple times to move out to Iowa. They don't feel like that's the direction that God wants them to go. And um, my dad's health has been starting to fail recently. He's, had, he's a diabetic, and he's getting very brittle in his diabetes. And the ambulance has been called multiple times in the last few weeks as he's sort of passed out and lost consciousness. Not good. And then um, this past week, things got really interesting because uh, a lump about two weeks ago began showing up on my mom's cheek. And uh, they sent her to the doctor, which sent her to a specialist. The specialist um, did a vial draw on the lump, and they said that she has cancer. And the cancer looks quite aggressive, and it's grown an awful lot in the last uh, week. It's filled up her lower part of her face, and she's swallowing this nasty taste in her mouth. And so they are doing tests. They did an MRI. They did blood work this past week. And either uh, this afternoon or Monday, I'll know the official diagnosis of how aggressive the cancer is and what's going to happen. I'm going to tell you right now, it does not look good. Uh, And as a church, I need to tell you that uh, we're very fortunate. I'm very fortunate to have a wonderful, and I can't just tell you enough, wonderful leadership board who instantly came around behind me and said, you know, whatever time you need, you take. And tomorrow morning, we're leaving in the car. We're going to do two 12-hour shots to make it out to Philadelphia, where they live with my kids, and pull them out of summer work, because they're going to be there and at least get some time with mom and with dad. And I do not know what this summer holds. Um, A lot is on the line. I want to really honor my parents. I want to obey this scripture. I mean, what does the scripture say here? If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So we're in the process of figuring out what it means to sacrifice. And by the way, yes, I'm an only child. So there's no other backup there. So please, I ask you to pray about that with me. And if you're on the city and you're on the prayer chain, you will get updates from me throughout this week. And if you're not on the city and on the prayer chain, now's a good time to get on there so you can find out what's going on. Now, you almost feel like you could end the message right there. We're not, we're not going to. There's more to the text. And it would be a sort of a tough note to end on. So let's flip on the other side. How do I honor Christ as a parent? Number one. Don't provoke my children to anger. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. And that sounds sounds like rather standard fare, but actually it was sort of a a really notable in the ancient world because fathers in the ancient world had absolute and complete and total power over their homes. They could um, get slaves. They could sell slaves. They could beat slaves. We'll talk about that more next week. They could actually sell their own children into slavery. They had that kind of authority. They could use almost any forms of punishment necessary for their children, physical or otherwise. And even when a child was born in the ancient world, it was not automatically considered part of the family. The child was brought before a father who would be seated in the room and put at the father's feet. And if the, ch- the father got up and walked away, that meant the child was taken and was put in a field to be eaten by wild animals or taken by people who practiced the worst sort of perversions. That's the way it was practiced. If the, child, if the father picked up the child, then it was considered and part of the family and welcomed into the family. So you see that fathers had absolute and total power. And many times, they were encouraged to be harsh with their children. They were encouraged to instill fear in their children. And that was the way they were told to rule. But the scriptures here say, don't provoke your children to anger. And Christian fathers, love your children. Do you have to discipline your children on occasions? Of course. But your overarching um, principle is not fear, it's love. And I thought to myself, how can I apply this? 
How do today we provoke our children to anger? Here's a couple examples. One is what I call uh, hyper-protectivity. I don't know if that's a word, but I made it up, but it sounds good. And this is actually not as too much uh, a father deal. It's usually a mother deal. This is, I, I don't want my son to play football, because you know what happens in football. People get hurt, and I have to protect him. I, I don't let my, my son go out and play in the dirt, because you know what happens when you play in the dirt? You get dirty. I can't let him do this. And I'm not going to let him sleep over that friend's house, because you know what they have in their house? Doritos and standard store-bought food. All I feed you is naturally, naturally organically grown produce. I'm like, Mom, give it a break. Stop being so hyper-protective of your kid. Because what happens when they eventually go away to college? What? Boom! Rebellion! Big time! You know, we, we wrestle with this sometimes in our house because I'm always trying to protect my kids from making bad choices. Recently, one of my kids... Um, End of school year, it was sort of at night. He's like, I want to drink a Mountain Dew. It's going to celebrate. And I'm like, it's it's bedtime. Why do you want to drink a Mountain Dew? And, you know, mom's like, you know, chill out. Let him drink a Mountain Dew. You know, if it was a Jack Daniels, that's different. It's just a Mountain Dew. Let him try it and find out on his own, right? That's why you don't drink Mountain Dews before you go to bed. You'll stay up all night. So don't be a hyperprotective parent. Um, here's another example. Favoritism. Favoritism. This is an issue that happens a lot when you have multiple kids in a house. And we wrestle with this at Christmas time because, you know, the older kids want some things and the younger kids want some things. And the younger kids want the same things the older kids want. And they're like, my brother has a cell phone. Why can't I have one? You're 10. You don't need a cell phone. But, you know, how do you see that with kids? It, it's... We work very hard to try and not play favorites. And one of the things that you do not want to say to your kids is, why can't you be more like your brother? Why can't you be more like your sister? What does that do? Provokes them to anger. Because they say, why can't you love me just for who I am? Give you another one. Giving identity through achievement. Identity through achievement. And what happens is, uh, by the way, I am very much in favor of getting your kids involved in music and drama and sports. I'm in in favor of spending time with them and helping them to be as successful in basketball or whatever you have out there. That's good. You should be doing that as a parent. But after a while, you have to be careful. Because when your kids succeed in those areas, what do you start to, to, to slowly begin to identify? Your identity is in your success. Your identity is that you are a great basketball player. Your identity is that you are a great singer. And then what happens as soon as they lose a basketball game? Their identity is crushed. And as parents, we can do that, and we don't want to go there. Be very, very careful about your identity coming through success. This is a a mother who takes her daughter to a beauty pageant every weekend because her daughter's success in the beauty pageant sort of is akin to her success. This is a father who takes his child every weekend to a a softball game or a a special sporting event because their success is akin to your success. And you can't go there. It's not healthy. Let it be their sports season, not your sports season. And make sure their identity is that they are loved no matter what they do on the sport field. Otherwise, you will irritate them. Here's another one. Always pointing out flaws. This is one that I had to work on in my home because uh, my kids, I'm so proud of the success they would have on the sports field. And I would say, you did a great job in wrestling. Great job on the mat. Uh, I just loved it. You just got to make sure, you got to really work on covering that front leg when you're out there. And what do they hear? You did a great job on your mat or you forgot to cover that front leg again. All they hear and all they remember is their flaw. Now, is it important to help and coach your kids and to point out areas of improvement? Yes, but you have to be very careful because after a while, they'll gravitate to the where they think they're failing you. And when you say to them, you know, 
well, I thought you did a great job. No, you never tell me that. All you tell me is what I do wrong because that's all they hear. Can I get an amen on that one? Yeah. So be very careful not to provoke your children to anger with constantly pointing out flaws. Here's another one. Being physically present but emotionally absent. And this is one of the ones that I wrestle with because for those of us who uh, work with jobs that really never end, you're always on task 24 hours a day, you come home from work, you sit on the couch, and everything's sort of quiet. The kids are just milling around the house, and you're thinking, wow, this is a great time. I can finally get caught up on my email. And so out comes the laptop, and all of a sudden, zoom, you're like into the mode. Be quiet. I'm, re- I'm working on an email, you know. You're physically present, but you're emotionally absent. And after a while, the kids sort of get provoked to anger. Dad's home, but he's never home. It's one of the things that I had to try and repent of. When I'm home, I try, I try to be home. And even if it means me just sort of sitting there and just listening to goofy stories and being interested in things that happen, I'm like, that's right. The kids need to know that they're more important than the laptop. Here's another one. Uh, being a bore. Dad, mom, are you a bore? Because you're going to provoke your kids to anger after a while. Like, play games with them. Have fun with them. You, know, you buy them this wiffle ball, you buy them the Nerf ball, and you say, well, you never used those things after I bought them. What should you do? You go grab the Nerf football and bring it in the backyard and then grab your kid and bring it out there and say, let's have fun. Go out for a pass. It's not their fault they're not using it. It's your fault you're not playing with it. Don't be a bore. You know, when the ice cream truck comes by, what do we often do, dads? Oh, no, here it comes. He's going to try and take my money. I'm a bore. No, I, I want to go, go the other direction. The ice cream truck comes by, go, Hey, kids, the ice cream truck is here. Let's go get it. And like dad's running down the road trying to get the ice cream truck and the kids are behind him. Hey, I want to buy a nutty bar. You know, and you spend the money for it and the kids are going, My dad is the coolest. And then they go to their friends. Does your dad run down the road to get a nutty bar? My dad does. Because you see, if we're a bore, we provoke our kids to anger. This means that if uh, you have boys, take them out fishing, take them out hunting. And this is something I have not done a good job with, but we should. One of the things that my daughter does, I think is really fun, she has what she calls the daddy makeover day. Uh, It worked much better when my hair was longer. But I would sit there on the couch. I'm exhausted from work. And she would come out and she'd take the towels, put a towel over each shoulder and a towel off the back. And she has the spray bottle and the the combs and everything. And she just makes this incredibly wild hairdo. And she loves it. And she's taking pictures of it. And I'm like, this is good. I'm I'm not a bore to her, even though I'm just sitting there. You know, it's all good until I go out in public. Then all of a sudden, people are calling the cops. But, you know, in the meantime, she's having a lot of fun. And that's just the way it should be. Here's another example. Public humiliation. We provoke our kids to anger through public humiliation. When our kids don't do well at something, and you're sitting in the stands with other parents, and you're really angry, what do we want to do? Vent. Vent. Yeah, we talk to him all the time about that, but he's not listening. Oh, not good. Not good, because if your kids find out that you're saying those things to your friends and not protecting them and not lifting them up, they're humiliated. Provokes them to anger. You guys know we're a wrestling family, and one of the things that always breaks my heart is when you go to these wrestling tournaments and you have a 10-year-old kid out there and a 200-pound father... And the 10-year-old kid goes out and he gets nervous and he doesn't wrestle well and he gets pinned. And the 200-pound father drags him off into the hall. The 200-pound father is yelling at him. He's got his finger in his face. The, two, the, 10, the 10-year-old kid is shaking like a leaf because his dad is yelling at him. And you know who's in the, in the edge of the hall? The kid's friends watching it. Do you think he's ever going to want to wrestle again? Absolutely not. 
Because public humiliation provokes a kid to anger, crushes his heart. Now, let me just uh, give you the last part here. It says in the Scriptures, the father is responsible to bring up his children to know the Lord. Fathers, bring them up in the disciplined instruction of the Lord. Now, this is a different take. We often think it's mom's job to bring up the kids in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, but the Scripture says it's actually dad's job. He's the buck stops here person. Now, does dad and mom team together? Yes. But who's responsible before the Lord? Dad. And I know guys are like, oh, I don't do any of the church stuff, man, because uh, that's mom's job. And then the boys start to think that like, Jesus is some kind of like sissy lalog guy with a feathered hairdo, and that's not true. Jesus is a stud. Jesus is a man. He is the most manly man out there. And if you're a man, you should teach your boys that Jesus is a man. You want to see what a real man looks like? Look to Jesus. And that's the way it should go. We're responsible. Now, let me just give you a few tips in the last few minutes I have with you here. Dads, how, how can we teach our ch- children or grow them up in the Lord? Number one, start when they're young. It says in 2 Timothy 3.15, And how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. This word childhood, it could be translated infancy. And the idea is that Timothy's mom, from the time he was a little tiny baby, was reading him Bible stories. Timothy's mom was investing in him and constantly trying to teach him the Bible. Very important. I often hear this, that we should wait. Don't teach the kids too much Bible until they're in junior high, and don't teach them anything complicated until they're senior high because their minds aren't smart enough to understand. And I'm like, I just totally disagree with that. I really do. You teach your kids about the Trinity, they will not explode. I've tried. They're okay. You may not understand everything, but you can teach them concepts. You can teach them a lot of stuff, and they will survive. And give them as much Bible as you can when they're young, constantly. How many people here say, I I learned too much Scripture when I was a kid? Nobody. We all wish our parents had taught us more. The next thing is this. Pray for my kids and pray with my kids. Every night when your kids go to bed, Walk in their room, put your hand on them, and pray a blessing over them. Just pray, Jesus, I thank you for my daughter. I thank you for my son. Pray for their future spouse. Pray for their, what they're going on in school. Pray for things they're worried about. Pray for their schoolwork. Pray that they would really grow in their trust in Jesus Christ. Just, just bless them. And then go to sleep. And they go to bed knowing that you love them, and they've heard Jesus Christ's blessing upon them. And then also pray with them. Get them to pray back and forth with you. Because when you do that, what happens is they learn to pray. Too many people never learn to pray because they've never prayed with somebody. And it should begin with their parents. The next one, read the Bible to my kids and make it fun. When my boys were growing up, uh, we were, they were living in the same room. It was a smaller house. They had bunk beds. And we had this picture Bible about an inch and a half thick. Not totally like the full text, but it had most of the ideas and the pictures with it. And I loved this part of being a father. At night, they'd get in their bunk beds. Dad would come in, sit in the chair, and I'd put my feet up on the bottom bunk, and I would start by reading the Bible. We started in Genesis, and then I'd read the text, and I'd show them the pictures. And when I would do this, the key with reading the Bible is don't be a bore. Have fun with it. When God talks... God talks. And when the ladies talk, we made the ladies talk. And when David threw a rocket Goliath, we acted it out. And we'd finish the page and the kids would go, Dad, read more, read more, read more. And you know, we read through that entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Dad, read more, read more. Teach your kids the Bible. Read it to them. They'll soak it up and be fun with it. The last one I'm going to cover this morning is this. Use Bible story video. Uh, Go ahead and put that graphic up, Jeremy. Thanks. Uh, We're about ready to introduce to you next week something called Right Now Media. 
How many of you use Netflix and iTunes and that kind of online streaming stuff? Put your hands up. Netflix or iTuner? Okay. Well, if your hand isn't up, it probably will be in the next two years. Almost everything is going online. There's going to be a lot less DVDs out there. It'll go the way of the VHS cassette. And what we thought we would do is to try and make resources available to you. There's this ministry called Right Now Media, and we have to pay for it. It's, a, it's pretty pricey. Uh, but it has all kinds of videos on it. And in particular, what drew us to it is its children's ministry videos. I mean, we're talking hundreds of videos online that'll play through your iPhone, your iPad, your laptop. It'll play on your computer TV screen, all kinds of things. And we thought this would be a great way for parents to be able to... I mean, let's face it. You're going to use the the video as a babysitter, Right. So why don't you have all kinds of cool Bible story videos to do it with? And we're going to give that to you. It's not a free service. We're going to give that to everyone at Crosswinds Church. We just ask that you would have your um, city profile filled out. And then as part of that, we'll uh, give you the codes and access to this individually. And you'll learn a lot more about that next week. It's just one of our ways we're trying to help you teach your kids the Bible. Well, I'm going to pray. And we're going to give this message to Jesus Christ. Jesus, we thank you so much for this simple, basic text on parenting. Uh, All of us are children. We ask that you'd help us to honor our parents and help us to obey our parents. And especially for those of us who are middle-aged, give us wisdom to know how we have to honor our aging parents. And as parents over children, help us not to provoke our children to anger but know how to bring them up gently and yet provide good leadership and lovingly. We also ask that you'd help us to raise our children to know and love Jesus Christ above all things. Because we know that the goal of parenting is not that our children would go to an Ivy League school. The goal of parenting is not that our children would be rich and make lots of money. The goal of parenting is not that our children would be uh, athletic superstars. The goal of parenting is that our children would know and love Jesus Christ above all things. And if that takes place, everything else just seems to fall in line. So we pray that you would help us to do that. We ask this in Christ's precious name. Amen. This has been a presentation of Crosswinds Church. More of Pastor Kurt's sermons can be found online at crosswinds.tv. Thanks for being with us. And may God continue to enrich your life.